Well, hello, Community Church Huddersfield. It's so good to be here. Um, I've heard lots about you, and it's just brilliant to to actually see you, to see your lovely smiley faces. There's a lot of life and a lot of laughter in this place, and that's a good sign. You know, when you walk into a room full of people, the gap between walking in and how long it takes for somebody to laugh is a sign of the health in the place. And you lot... Man, it's just really good. You know how to laugh. You know how to have a good time. And it's just obvious. So, uh, so yeah, my name is Ness. I'm based in Loughborough in the Midlands. Um, married to a good man called Rich, and he heads up something called Fusion. So I know you're a university city. Yeah, town. <laughs> and um, so he works with students and churches and he's, he's been doing that for over 20 years. Um, and that's been really fun to partner with him in that. We've got two girls, a teenager, 16-year-old called Amelie and an 11-year-old called Lauren. And we've got a new dog called Willow. So that's causing, causing <laughs> lots of fun and games in our household. So... So here we are. I know some of you were at the Pioneer North celebration. Um, I'm, uh, there's a few things in that message I want to kind of to, to bring to this wider family of God here and then some specific things that I feel that the Lord has laid on my heart for you for this morning. So you know, don't you, that God is on the move? <laughs> and you know also, don't you, that God is on the move in the north of this nation? So I have been fascinated the numbers of people who have been redeployed by the strategic creator God to move further up the country, to move up north. And there's been new church plants. There's been people who've who've just followed the wind of the spirit. And I think that there is something that God is doing. And he's, and he's, and he's strategically putting the right people in the right place at the right time. And, uh, so I am, I am fascinated. And there's something, isn't there? I, I don't know about you, but I'm hearing more stories, particularly of salvation. And I think there's something that happens when a nation is in turmoil, then people turn to God. And uh, we you, we don't need to look very far, do we? We just need to, to open up the newspapers, put put the television on, and we just know that this is a time of turmoil. This is a time is of instability, of uncertainty, and a nation looks for anchors. People look for something that is steady and strong and secure, and a rock that can be leaned into. And it's often at times of being humbled, particularly on a world stage that people turn to God. And I don't know about you, but it feels a bit like Great Britain is being humbled on a world stage. And perhaps that's the start of us as a nation losing some of our self-reliance, losing some of our pride and actually turning to God. And then there's just... There's a sense, isn't there, of of pain in our society. We know, obviously, mental health is rocketing. And at times of moral disintegration, uh, a nation begins to feel the pain and the cost of that. And my prayer is that that then means we turn to the living God, who absolutely has got the 
best ways, the best ways of human flourishing. He has. He has what he says works. And so I'm hearing more leaders, more churches begin to whisper the revival word again. Begin to dare to believe that God is on the move and that as everything else is shaking around us, our political system is shaking, that people are going to turn to the living God. And I kind of figure, you know, there's two responses when we hear talk of revival. One is cynicism. Oh, yeah, heard that. Been there. Or another is to let faith rise again. And I know for me, I want to be someone who allows faith to rise. You know, we've got one and only short life. And so let's live it thinking big, dreaming big, pushing into the more. The easy option is to settle. The easy option is to fold our arms, lean back and allow cynicism to rule. But I believe God calls us to lean in, push in because there's more. There's more for us. And so when we're hearing the whispers of revival, we're hearing the whispers of contending for another great awakening, that we are a people where we allow our hearts to rise We allow our prayers to get fueled in line with the prophetic words of God. And we step in. We step into what God is doing rather than step out. And so as I've been, I've been caught up in this phrase contending for the next great awakening. And one of the phrases that I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me about pioneer for this next season is this, clean the nets and strengthen the nets. Clean the nets and strengthen the nets. Because I've just been saying to the Lord, you know, what are you requiring of us as pioneer, as this network of churches? If this is a season of contending for the next great awakening, then what must we do in the light of the big agenda of God? And if a time is coming where more and more people are turning to the living God, the one who is strong and stable and can be lent into, that doesn't shake, doesn't tremble, then if that season is coming of people getting drawn into the plans and the purposes of God, then we need to be ready. We need to prepare well. And to prepare well, I think there's a time of cleaning and a time of strengthening. Pioneer is a network of churches birthed in the 80s because God's spirit was moving. The charismatic renewal, many new churches were planted. And after 40 years, there's a little bit of cleaning and strengthening that needs to be done. So you can see uh, the slide there, Pioneer. We are a relational network that connects, inspires and equips churches in the UK and globally. That's what we are. Really simply, we're not a denomination, we're not a hierarchy, we are a relational network, we're a family. And the three things that we're called to do is to connect, because we all need to know we're part of something bigger. To inspire, to hear the stories of what God is up to, and to equip. And part of the equipping is that we become places that are so ready that we have prepared well for the supernatural catch that the Lord 
is going to bring. And so with this phrase in mind, I just felt God say, clean the nets and strengthen the nets and clean the nets and strengthen the nets. I was drawn to a passage in Luke 5 where Jesus calls his first disciples and he meets them when they're cleaning the nets. He meets them when they are literally scrubbing the nets. It's as though, you know, they don't know they're about to, to be uh, taken up into catching supernatural uh, quantities of both uh, fish and then people. But when Jesus meets them, they're cleaning the nets. They're strengthening the nets. So chapter 5 of Luke's Gospel, starting at verse 1. Once when he, that is Jesus, was standing on the shore of Lake Gennesaret, the crowd was pushing in on him to better hear the word of God. He noticed two boats tied up. The fishermen had just left them and were what? Were out scrubbing their nets. That's what they were doing when Jesus meets them. He climbed into the boat that was Simon's and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Sitting there, using the boat for a pulpit, he taught the crowd. When he finished teaching, he said to Simon, push out into deeper water and let your nets out for a catch. Simon said, Master, we've been fishing hard all night and haven't caught even a minnow. But if you say so, I'll let out the nets. It was no sooner said than done. A huge haul of fish straining the nets past capacity. They waved to their partners in the other boat to come help them. And they filled both boats, nearly swamping them with the catch. Simon Peter, when he saw it, fell to his knees before Jesus. Master, leave. I'm a sinner and I can't handle this holiness. Leave me to myself. When they pulled in that catch of fish, awe overwhelmed Simon and everyone with him. It was the same with James and John, Zebedee's sons, co-workers with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, there is nothing to fear. From now on, you'll be fishing for men and women. They pulled their boats up on the beach, left them nets and all and followed him. It's a really powerful passage. You, you, you capture the sense of awe, don't you? They're just overwhelmed. It's like they know they've touched something of a whole other order. They've touched God. They've touched God's ways of doing things. They've touched something that doesn't humanly make sense. They've touched the supernatural. But preceding touching that supernatural, they're preparing well. They're scrubbing the nets. They're cleaning the nets for a supernatural catch of fish. And so what does that mean for us? What does that mean for you as the community church here? What does it mean to prepare well in this season? I know some of the language, the prophetic language that you've been given is around Getting hearts right at the altar, strengthening the foundations. And then as you move into the new year, focusing on the gates. And actually, I think even though it's different imagery, it's the same message. It's the same sense. It's about preparing well. That's what it is about. Whether it's cleaning the nets and strengthening the nets or strengthening the foundations and coming to the altar. 
and getting clean hearts. It's the same thing. And so that is what the Lord is saying to you. It's like the Holy Spirit always speaks through a megaphone. When, When the Holy Spirit is speaking, those who've got ears to hear will hear. And it will be the same thing. It might be slightly different imagery, but it's the same thing. And the message is, church of Jesus Christ, begin to prepare well. That's what the message is. That's what the Holy Spirit is saying. Begin to prepare well. It's actually, it's not enough just to keep on doing the same old, same old. Because that's not going to be enough for what God is wanting to do. The Holy Spirit is saying the the kind of the old ways of operating things that were acceptable before actually holy spirit saying church those things aren't acceptable anymore church it's time to step up it's time to prepare well it's time to get really cleaned up cleaned up in heart attitudes cleaned up relationally cleaned up as a whole community cleaned up and strengthened up that's what the holy spirit is wanting to do amongst all of us but i think it's a message it's a message that i i just i i sense it in my spirit it's like it's it's already been landing deeply in this particular community of god's people and so he's just confirming what he's already been saying and i think you should take you should take deep reassurance you're hearing right you are you're hearing right from what the lord is saying so this is a time for us to prepare well and so i've thought a little bit about what is preparing well what does this sense of cleaning the nets and strengthening the nets look like through some of the core values that are woven into pioneer the churches up and down the nation that belong to this this bigger family called Pioneer. They're up there, relational, missional, charismatic, kingdom orientated. What does it mean to prepare well in these areas? What does it mean to get cleaner and stronger relationally, missionally, charismatic and kingdom? And one of the things, just as I was praying for you, is um, the first one there, relational. I felt the Lord uh, uh, led me to a passage that you'll be familiar with. But, yeah, it was something that I just wanted to read out over you. And it's a passage in Colossians 3, verses 12 to 15. And it's essentially on what does relational health look like in a community of God's people. So Colossians 3, verses 12 to 15. It says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, which you are, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, which you are, so just know that, let that revelation just sink in, oh my, (laughs) we're God's chosen people. We're God's holy people. We're God's dearly loved people. So we're chosen. We're holy. We're dearly loved. In the light of that, 
Then Paul says, clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, with patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone else. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love. Love which binds them all together in perfect unity. It's the only thing that does it. It's the only thing that does it. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace. You know that's part of our calling. We're called to peace. And be thankful. I think that's already here in abundance. (laughs) That thankfulness value. But you know... Paul, this isn't just the only passage, obviously, that talks about relational health. You you find it in most of the letters. But that's a particularly beautiful passage, Colossians 3, verses 12 to 16. And when our churches are full of relational health, just thinking about preparing well for the next great awakening, when our churches are full of relational health, full of compassion, full of patience with one another, full of forgiveness when we get hurt, because we do get hurt. You can't be in church life for any length of time without getting hurt. But that we are forgiving readily and quickly when we're, when we're church families that are full of kind words, that are full of love. You know, when we're church communities like that, then people are attracted to us. Jesus said, didn't he? It's, it's how you love one another that people will know that you are my disciples. And so if we're preparing well and, and cleaning up the nets, then there's something about our relational health makes us even more attractive to people who haven't experienced relational health before. Perhaps not in their families, perhaps not in their friendship groups, perhaps not at work. But to walk into a group of people where these things are actually lived out behaviors. They're not just words in scripture that get read, but they're actually tangible. People can see it. They can reach out and they can touch. You know, that is supernatural to live out these values. It's supernatural. So when our churches are full of relational health, people are attracted to us. When our churches are full of relational health, it's easier for new Christians who are coming in to be effectively discipled into the ways of Christ. Because they see it. They come into a new normal. They come into a different way of being, of operating, of speaking, of relating. When they see people who are loving each other against all the odds, when they're seeing people who know what it is to forgive and to bear with one another, when they're seeing patience outworked, it's like they come into a new way of operating. And so we can effectively disciple people. I think there's something about um, 
allowing deeper revelation of these values into our hearts. These are not just nice attributes. These are powerful. These are supernatural. These require the Holy Spirit to do a work inside of us. So just think a little bit about each of these values. I've called them the garments of grace. If you, if you notice the passage says, clothe yourselves. It's interesting, isn't it? It's like when we get dressed in the morning, we're clothing ourselves. It's a very active thing. We're putting on garments. And what's happening here is Paul is saying, put on garments of grace. Garments of heaven's values. You see, all these things, actually, it's, it's, it's heavenly. This is heaven coming to earth. This is heaven coming to earth. Just as when we hear wonderful testimonies of God's healing, of provision, of breakthrough, actually these things are heaven's values. When we graduate to glory, the relational harmony that we will enjoy for the rest of eternity. You know, I've, I've, um, I, I heard someone who, um, felt as though they had an experience where they, they were in heaven and then they came back to earth and they were saying that when people communicate, there's two layers of communication. One layer is what's being said with words and it's always affirming and encouraging. But there's another layer that's going on with heart-to-heart communication and that is even deeper. It's just affirmation, heart-to-heart, one to another. So there's these two layers of communication that are going on the whole time amongst the saints. And we can, we can draw something of heaven's atmosphere to earth by the way we communicate. When we look into each other's eyes and we say, you are, you you know, when we affirm each other's identity, you're my brother, you're my sister. When we think in terms of family, we have more grace for one another. When we're prophesying, we're speaking out the best, aren't we? We're drawing out the God colors, we're bringing out the gold. But there's something, there's something supernatural when we operate in these values. So compassion. You know, when we practice compassion, we begin to see people with the filter through which God sees them. I think I've learned over the years that most of the time when people are operating as the worst version of who they are, it's because often they're hurting. And so I've just learned over the years to ask some questions Sometimes out loud, if the bridge of trust is strong enough, sometimes just in my heart. So questions like, if someone's angry, what's the fear that's going on right now behind this anger? Because most of the time, behind anger will be a fear. Sometimes... When people are really fearful, I'll ask the question, what's the lie that they are partnering with right now that's causing this fear? 
Because most of the time, behind every fear, there's a lie. A lie, perhaps, that God won't come through or that he's not really good. Or a lie that they're believing about themselves and their own identity. And so compassion means we ask questions behind the behaviors. Compassion also means we have compassion on ourselves. Because actually, when we're the worst version of ourselves, most of the time it's coming from our woundedness. Now, that doesn't mean there's an excuse for behaviors that are less than Christ-like. But if we have compassion on ourselves, it means we can face our stuff and then get the help we need to get some healing. So true compassion means that there's no excuses, but we're able to look in the mirror and go, okay, yeah, that is me. I'm not going to blame shift onto others. I'm not going to deny it. I'm going to own it because then I can disown it. You know, you can only disown what you first own. And so true deep compassion on ourselves means we can own our stuff. It doesn't get deflected away. It's not someone else's fault. It's not circumstances. So we have compassion on our wounds, but we're not prepared to stay in that place. And we go, Holy Spirit, oh, beautiful Holy Spirit, I need help. This part of my heart that's got a bit ugly, a bit wounded, Holy Spirit, you are the healer. You are the wonderful, beautiful healer. And you can come. You can begin to heal this part of my heart that is wounded. And as healing comes... We have more compassion again for ourselves and we have more compassion for others. So compassion is the first one in the list. It doesn't surprise me. When we become more full of compassion, we become more full of grace. And it's the garments of grace that God is wanting us to clothe ourselves in. And then kindness is the next one. You know, when we're clothed with kindness, we'll be seeking the other's good as we deal with their weaknesses. That's the key thing. We'll be seeking each other's good as we deal with their weaknesses. That's kindness. That's kindness. Kindness means everything is redemptive. Kindness means every conversation we're having is because we're looking for ultimately the best, the good, the redempt, the redemptive version in that person. That's what we are longing for. That's what we can see and that's what we're moving towards. Kindness is a garment with healing in its wings. And the word used here in this particular passage for kindness is actually the same word used of wine that has grown mellow with age and lost its original harshness. It's interesting. It's grown mellow with age, lost its original harshness. And there's something, isn't there? Often as we get older, perhaps that we... We lose some of the, the harshness maybe of our younger years. But I think with the help of the Holy Spirit, that can be accelerated. Because spiritual maturity is not to do with age. And so we can say, Holy Spirit, would you accelerate kindness in my heart? Would you accelerate the way that I'm able to look at others? So be kind. 
in your words. And then humility, the next one. Humility is not pretending to be anything other than we are. Humility is having an accurate assessment of ourselves. And, you know, I think when we've got an accurate assessment of ourselves, we don't have to hide. So actually, part of humility is that we can be really open, really honest and accountable with who we are, where we're at. I think a sign of relational health in a church community is that there are people who know everything there is to know about us and still deeply, deeply love us. I am so grateful there are people in my church community who do know everything there is to know about me. It's so liberating. It's so liberating. So that's just worth thinking about. Are there people who know you, really know you, know you deeply? Are there people you're actively accountable to? You know, self-disclosure is a wonderful thing. We've got um, students in our church community and most of them say yes when offered one-to-one discipleship. Meeting up regularly with someone who is a bit further on in their journey, who will ask them the difficult questions. And most of them go, yes, please. Yes, please. I want someone who I can fully open up to. So have a think. Are there people who you could fully open up to? Some of us, as we've got older, found that it's an active, not a passive thing. We need to give permission to others to speak into our lives. I've written a list of 10 discipleship questions that I've given to a friend who knows me really well and I know loves me deeply and is committed to my fruitfulness. And I said, these are the 10 most important discipleship questions for me. Ask me them regularly. So even those of us that are maybe being Christians for a long time, maybe hold positions of responsibility, it's an active thing. And then patience is another garment of grace. Because, you know, the work of healing and emotional and relational health takes time. It does. And I think what precedes patience with each other is commitment to one another. Because when you have committed to somebody or committed to a group of people, you can be patient with them. Can't you? And actually, when you know that somebody is committed to you, it it frees you up. Because you know that they are going to be patient with the process of you becoming fully the person you're created to be because they're committed. So commitment breeds patience and patience breeds healing. So let me encourage you to think through your commitments to each other because when you've made a heart commitment it will it will allow you to be patient. And as you're patient, then healing comes. And forbearance and forgiveness. We all know this, don't we? You, you would have heard many talks on this, but we know to forgive regularly actually keeps us free. 
we have two choices when we get hurt, which we will, to live in the bondage of bitterness or the freedom of forgiveness. And even though at times forgiveness can feel so hard because it feels so unfair and we feel like if I forgive, is it saying that what they've done is okay and it's not okay? But we know, don't we, forgiveness ultimately, really it's not for their sake, it's for our sake. (laughs) So it means that we're not allowing someone to live rent-free in our heads. That's what happens when we forgive. We let them go. And actually when we've let someone go, we can be fully embraced by the arms of the Father. Because if you're holding on to somebody like this with a clenched fist... You're not free to have both arms open wide to receive the embrace of God. But we have to keep on practicing it. And I know it's hard. And I have walked this journey. I think you you can't be in church life, can you, without having to forgive and to forgive and to forgive and forgive and forgive. 72 times can keep on forgiving. But it keeps us free. It means that our heart actually grows bigger and softer as we go through life rather than get harder and colder as we go through life. Forgiveness is a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. It actually allows us to hold more of the love of God in our hearts for others. So keep on forgiving. And then love. We know love covers a multitude of sins. There are times where I've just had to just come back again when someone has really badly hurt me or I feel really let down or really disappointed. And I just, it's just simply that command from Jesus, love one another as I have loved you. And love covers a multitude of sins. It's like, it's, it's, it's the ultimate garment of grace. It's almost like we wrap a blanket of grace around somebody's shoulders, isn't it? Love covers a multitude of sins. That's what we're called to do. Keep covering each other with love and grace. And then that passage ends in terms of uh, having peace and thankfulness. And, you know, as we practice all these things, compassion and humility and kindness and patience and love, we end up with peace in our hearts and deep thankfulness. Deep thankfulness for each other, actually, even though at times, you know, we might want to knock a few heads together. Deep thankfulness, deep thankfulness that we're part of a community of people that love us and that we love There's nothing else like the local church. There is nothing else like it. There's no other community that when someone is hurting, people just gather around. They gather around in prayer. They gather around practically. There's nothing else like it. It is a bit of heaven on earth. The local church, it's like it's like a... A little colony of heaven on earth, an audiovisual demonstration of what heaven will be like. So, peace and thankfulness is what we end up with. I'm not going to carry on with missional, charismatic, and kingdom orientated. Um, 
But I wanted it to be up there on the slide so you know these are the core values of Pioneer. But the relational one, I just felt God laid on my heart for you at this time. I, um, I, I, I really, I really like working with them sort of little visual prompts. And so one of the things that I have here, because this passage is about putting on garments of grace, um, I have here little bits of material and on them are written some of these words, kindness, forgiveness, being dearly loved, gentleness, forbearing, and um, I also have a whole load of safety pins. And if there are some of you where actually, just as this morning's been going on, you felt the Holy Spirit just put his finger on one of these words, and you know, you know, this is something that I actually want to intentionally put on, actively put on every day, then I'm going to encourage you to come here to find the word on the material. There's also a bunch of safety pins and then pin it to an item of your clothing. It might be the inside of your coat so that tomorrow when you put it on, it's like, oh, I'm putting on compassion. I'm putting on peace. I'm putting on on kindness. And it might just be that little reminder to help you to cultivate one of these values of the spirit. Because I do believe this next season, particularly in the lead up, is it the 8th of January? You know that you've got a new start. You've got a new year coming. And it might just be between now and the 8th of January, as different ones of you are actively putting on these values that there's something really beautiful that is formed, that when you come together on the 8th of January, you are full of all of these garments of grace. And it's like oil that is just weaving in and out of every relationship here in this room. So I wonder, could we have the band back up? And um, I'll get my box of safety pins out. Maybe just as the music begins to play, just begin to think about those different values and which one you would like to come and grab a hold of and decide where you want to pin it. So this is a, this is like an active way. This is a physical way of, of doing something quite prophetic. And actually, for some of you, something quite profound. In coming to get hold of one of these garments of grace and pin it to an item of clothing, you're saying the old ways, the old patterns, the old ways of thinking, the old ways of speaking, the old ways of behaving. Uh Uh-uh, no longer. I'm moving into a new season of relational health. So um, why don't we stand? Let's stand. And I'll start to put these out.